Today, we are back celebrating our incredible episode number 350, 350 episodes in, and we are having our double-sized extravaganza bonus, just like the comic books that I used to read when they do bonus extra double-sized extravaganza spectaculars. Well, that's what we are doing today. We are going back and continuing our look at X-Men, the animated series, with all of the behind the scenes from this epic book that I continue to share with all of you. Great stories, uh, great challenges that lie ahead. X-Men animated series, season one. It's a hit. That's where we left off. It's a hit. Now what? Now what happens? So many more episodes, so many more issues, so many more secrets to share with you all on an all-new episode of Rob's Observations. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Rob's Observations. I am your host, Rob Liefeld. What is a Rob's Observation? Well, this Rob's Observation in particular is part two of our 350th episode. Is that incredible? We made it to 350 episodes of Rob's Observations, and all of you have been crazy and nuts enough to take this ride along with me, and I am so thrilled that you have come along for this ride, and I, I, I am so grateful and, 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 and just absolutely, truly uh, blessed and humbled that, that you guys listen to this show on a regular basis, and you have uh, talked about Rob's observations and, 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 and spread uh, the, 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 the show with your word of mouth and with your positive uh, just, just votes, your, your, your positive vibes for this show. I am so thrilled, so thankful that you are on board. Rob's observations. 350 episodes of Rob's Observations consist of us celebrating, uh, talking comic books, superheroes, the, the world of comic books and superheroes, the pages, the comic books, the graphic novels, the comic books and superheroes uh, were created in that world of paper and print and staples and how they've translated to this greater world of live action, a proliferation of live action streaming and movies and toys and video games. And why do I get to, to talk about Rob's observations? Well, I could just talk about it as a fan and often do. And that, that is so much a part of what we do here at the show is, is I try and take you back. And I've been taking you back since I was seven years old, pulling these comic books off these creaky old spinner racks. But then I became a professional. I got hired when I was 18 years old and I never looked back. It has been my vocation, my profession, my entire adult life. It is really all I have known. It is a fulfillment of a dream. Uh, if you've never heard of me, Rob Liefeld, I have uh, given the world Cable and Deadpool and Lady Deadpool and the Deadpool Corps and X-Force. And I helped launch the third biggest comic book company in the world, in North America, at the very least, Image Comics, Youngblood, Prophet, Evangeline, Brigade, Bloodstrike, all of these comics that, that I launched uh, alongside my fellow Image founders many years ago 1992 we literally changed the landscape of comic books i don't think we really knew that we were going to uh, long term but our we, we were determined to not just be a flash in the pl- in, in the pan and image comics has turned out to be one of the most spectacular decisions we all collectively ever made uh you know i i have i have drawn many many of 
of of my favorite characters, whether it's Snake Eyes in G.I. Joe Dead Game a couple couple years ago uh, for IDW, or whether it's recently be, being able to draw uh, beloved cartoon characters like Thundercats and have that Thundercats cover just blow up and sell out. Uh, Deadpool, multiple different Deadpool series that I've been able to give to you guys. You guys have voted with your dollars. You have made each and every one of those a tremendous success. Uh, you probably didn't know that I am the best-selling Avengers comic book of all time. I am the best-selling X-Force comic books of all time. I have the best-selling Deadpool comics of all time. I know my way around the business as a publisher, as an artist, as a writer, and I am excited to bring it to you, and I will never apologize uh, for, for uh, promoting my, myself and my work ever. It's so necessary because you know who's not going to do it? The executives at the big, giant corporate labels. Character comes first. Character, character, character. Creators are secondary. You're never going to flip that unless you talk more about yourself, unless you uh, get a book that you, you can control 100%. So much of what I've been working on these last three years are a result of what happened in Image Comics when I launched my own label, Extreme Studios, launched my own comic books. And we have a blood strike movie uh, that, that we are working to set up. A script is being written. I have a director on board. I showed that, that, uh, that what we called not so much test footage, but proof of concept, proof, proof of concept that, that Phil Silvera, Silvera put together. He is currently wrapping up his duties being the action director on the new season of, uh, of, of Daredevil. Uh, he, he was the action director on Halo. He is one hell of an incredible talent. I'm lucky to have him with me alongside on Bloodstrike. I had a meeting last week about profit and where that movie is headed, and it's going to be exciting. I want to tell you the other characters and all of the other meetings and all of the other talent that are working on stuff that I own, that I created, that is coming to a, a, a hopefully a screen near you sooner than later, but that would reveal uh, too much, and it would, get, uh, it would, it would absolutely uh, uh, s- send, s- send information that, that's, that's not yet to be out there out there, so I, I, I have to conceal that. But part of my legacy is empowering creators, creators' rights, creator opportunities. I had a studio in the early 90s, gave 60 or more, let's, let's lean on the more, definitely it was 60, uh, very young artists, their first crack. Uh, one of those is Andy Park. Do you know Andy? Andy is the head uh, visual, I don't know what his, his exact title is, let's just say really important top visual uh, style development guru at Marvel. He always shares all the different designs. He'll take a Jack Kirby Black Panther and put some different, you know, liner uh, applications on it to make it look better, uh, maybe change the, the quality of the material uh, for, for it to shine. Uh, that's just an example. Or maybe Ant-Man streamlining the helmet that Jack Kirby uh, at first envisioned or the Wasps, uh, the Wasp visuals. I know that he worked on this last year's Deadpool 3, so that's really fun. That's a fun legacy. Jeff Matsuda went on from my studio after uh, drawing incredible Youngblood comics and Newman comics. He went on to become this kick-ass animator uh, doing seasons on on the Batman, doing seasons of, uh, of 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 all manner of different Jackie Chan adventures, and he did animation on the direct to home video Wolverine versus the Hulk, which featured Deadpool. He said, "Rob, I worked on this. I did all the character designs, all the turnarounds." And this is apropos, given that we're going to be discussing X Men the animated series a little later on. But Jeff was like, "I want to show it to you. I have it. I have it finished." We, myself, Marat Michaels. We were all at the studio together. Jeff was so lovely to take us out to lunch, invite us back to his home, and on his big screen, we watched back in 2009, well, well before it was in stores, 
the Wolverine versus Hulk uh, animated series that showed a glimpse into Weapon X, into the world where both of these char- both, both Deadpool and Wolverine originated from. And Jeff was so excited to share share that with me. He went on to all this incredible animated uh, success. So did Chap Yap. All so many of these guys from Extreme Studios uh, went just up the freeway, Los Angeles, Burbank, and booked some of the best gigs in animation. And they're great animators. And there's an entire episode on some of the graduates of the Extreme Studios in the Observations catalog. If you think that I'm not proud and excited to have been associated with these guys, I am incredibly proud and and and, and excited and thrilled that I was associated with helping some of this young talent get their first breaks, get their feet on the ground, get published, worked with tremendous uh, other talents, other inkers, writers, uh, just be, be involved in the process in a way that I couldn't be. These guys could draw a comic in the studio, watch it be inked in the next room, watch it get colored in the far back coloring department, and then watch us send it out to print and also be the first to receive them because we get those uh, directly sent from the printer. So it was a very different experience than the one that I that, that, that I had uh, when, when I was coming in into comics. I, I, I put up a picture uh, recently of myself drawing pages from Hawk and Dove, uh, number one. I had already been working in comics for about two years at that point. I was just turning 20. It was October. And you can see on my table several pages of Hawk and Dove. I would mail these pages in. Uh, Carl Kiesel would then ink it. He, he and his, his wife uh, wrote the, 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 the final scripts that I drew from after, after we kind of went over the story and how we were going to introduce Don Granger, which there was a little bit of a struggle and a little bit of a pushback on, some of which Carl writes about in the back of the Hawk and Dove uh, trade paperback. And then I had to fight against my editor just night and day. And I have a nightmare story of that in a Rob's observations in an early uh, episode of how a young Rob Liefeld, a very young uh, 19 to 20 year old, had to navigate uh, kind of a power monger, uh, very much by today's standards. If it was today, much of what was said and did to me would have been written up and reported uh, within the company. Uh, and 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 th- th- there there would have been ramifications, but back then, you know, you just took it, you took your licks, you took the verbal abuse as I did, you took the threats, and you just moved on, and you just said, "Cause I want this so bad." It's like it's like some my kids have had good coaches, my kids have had lousy coaches, and even with a lousy coach, I was able uh, to to take some coal because Hawk and Dove had never worked before and make it into a diamond. And Dawn Granger continues to shine. She's been around as Dove longer than the original. Uh, Don Hall was as Dove, and, and I got to tell you, in, in, in today's uh, marketplace, that's impressive. But given when we launched Hawk and Dove in '88, it's even more impressive. But those pages, I see them on my table. I would mail them off to Carl Kiesel. He would schedule to ink them in in a, in a couple months because the book wasn't on the schedule yet. I was new. They wanted to book, uh, you know, several issues of my work before they put it on the schedule. I would do that too with a brand new talent, and they did. That book eventually arrived in the spring of 1988 to sell out numbers i read to you guys from market reports from the magazines that would have retailers just write the entire magazines uh, comics values monthly which would just uh have, have retailers write and people were shocked i can't believe this hawk and dove book I, I i poured everything i could into that but i did not have control of how it was inked how it was colored how it was lettered how it was produced and those were steps that were taken on the east coast and beyond i was just in Fullerton, California, just trying to grind out my next page and my next page and my next page. Again, Extreme Studios, just a special time. So I've seen the comic book world from all manner. Uh, best-selling author, creator, best-selling publisher, Extreme Studios had the number two family of comic books in the 90s. I've shared with you that list that was shared by the distributors. I didn't make that list up. I wouldn't share you something that, that, that would be so agenda-driven. And that pivots me to something else. 
we don't deal with myths and legends here on the show. We try to bring facts. Facts are our friend. Facts are our allies. Facts will weed out agendas. And there are so many agendas because people can do what I'm doing right now, podcast, and they can put YouTube cameras on themselves and they can write blogs. People are just making shit up on the regular. You, you see it. Some of you bring it to me. Sometimes it's about me. Sometimes it's about my friends. Sometimes it's about events that I was right there and I witnessed. And I'm going to tell you, I, I feel like the, uh, the, the power, the last power that we have is to show uh, the dates, the times uh, of, of, of the events as they happen and not the myths. There are so many myths. So part of what we celebrate at this show is sharing in real time because I was there. I did, an, I did the first part of this 350th episode talking about a bit of a rebuttal to a Marvel executive's blog, which he does on his own. It's not a Marvel publication. It's his own blog. Uh, where he, he, he said, when did Wolverine become Wolverine? And I didn't write it. I didn't ask him to write it, but I read it and I was a little, a, a little shocked at very obvious areas that were skipped over in order to maybe further the point that he wanted to make. We've all had professors, again, coaches, people who want to kind of shift your, uh, your, your attention, or as my wife loves to say, it's one of her favorite quotes, pull focus. This dress, this plan, this whatever she's talked about, uh, the, 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 this performance all is designed to pull focus. And in and, 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 and this particular, when did Wolverine become Wolverine? I, I did an entire episode kind of rebuffing it in the name of the creators who are not alive to defend themselves and to kind of point out. And so many of you said to me, since the first part, you said, Rob, I didn't know Weapon X was mentioned in the very first panel, but Wolverine, it's there. Like so much is in those first two appearances between the Hulk, which is really a three-parter. He's in the end spoken of, activated, then then comes out in the open at the end of Hulk 180, then Hulk 181, full appearance, the whole time focuses on Wolverine. I've shared with you in some of the uh, materials as I was promoting the podcast, the actual house ads. They give an entire house ad promoting the coming of Wolverine, Canada's first superhero. Uh, then he's on the opening pages of 182 as, as Canada comes in to deal with it and says, you know, Wolverine, you didn't get the job done. But the reason I did that first part, which I encourage you to listen to the first part of our, our um, 350 celebration, uh, episodes celebration, is, uh, is to just walk with me as, as I point out to you what was contained in that opening and uh, in those opening between, between the Hulk and then Giant Size X-Men number one. Giant Size X-Men number one is technically, you know, technically the second time he emerges outside that storyline. And then so much more is covered there that he's a mutant, that there's been work, tremendous millions of dollars invested by the Canadians into making Wolverine what he is. I mean, so many breadcrumbs all by one Lynn Wien. Where do you get back to Lynn Wien in this X-Men animated series? Because they have something to say about Lynn as well. That's why this all dovetailed and just coalesced together so beautifully. And so what is a raw observation? We just talk about comic books, the history of comic books, the creators of these incredible worlds, because sometimes they're not credited appropriately. They are not celebrated appropriately. Again, the corporation's job is going to be the character. And it's, you're like, duh, I don't, I, I don't need you to tell me that, Rob. You don't know the level of which the character is so important. 
A movie may come out. It may have its lifetime in the theaters. Once it leaves, once that director, that producer, that actor, that cast is onto something else, the owner of the company is going to give you that in DVD, in VOD, video on demand, digital. Uh, It's going to have tons of items on the shelf that are going to run into the following seasons. Uh, You know, let's take Deadpool 3. Guy sent me a picture. Rob, whoa! Target, shelves, 10, 12 new new Deadpool items. Those items are going to exist and be restocked and be repurposed through the holidays. That movie will come out in July. That DVD will come out in November. Video, video on demand, maybe just right in between. But it will live on through the holiday season. It's gifts. And that movie will be, Marvel will be onto their third movie after that. But the Deadpool items, as I look at a, a Deadpool bank, Deadpool statue, two Deadpool statues, Deadpool action figures, Deadpool busts, Deadpool pens and pencils. Uh, they live on beyond. The talent will assemble. For a two-hour adventure that will then create opportunities that will continue. The character is the focus. The character is the uh, is the priority always, not the creators, not the people that make this stuff. You probably some of you may not have known that Len Wein and Herb Trimpey gave you Wolverine for the first time, gave you that incredible performance, blocked out those shots, did those incredible gestures, storytelling that gave you tremendous impact. The brilliant Mike Zek, you may have known him from Captain America and Secret Wars, giant breakthrough Secret Wars uh, multi-series, multi-part, 12-issue maxi-series that just blew comics away. I have a dedicated podcast on that. You should listen to it. He did Master of Kung Fu, uh, a a huge run on Master of Kung Fu. He did a great run on Captain America, Secret Wars, Punisher. uh, The Punisher stuff was great, but Secret Wars was the pinnacle. He told me, Rob, great storytelling, blocking, staging. It's the reason someone closes a comic book and loves it as opposed to likes it or they enjoyed it as opposed to not enjoying it. He told me that on the train from Connecticut to New York City in 1988, and I already knew it, but having him just express it to me just drove it all the way home. And the staging, the storytelling, the the, the sharing of the story is why you enjoy that story. You cannot remove Len and Herb from the impact that Wolverine had immediately, just immediately. In in response to the previous, the first part, because guys, I, I load this up and you guys are so quick to response. In the response to the first part of 350, and then we'll move on to the X-Men animated series. More of the incredible secrets behind and the challenges that, that were posed in bringing the X-Men animated series to life and making it the giant, mega, just outstanding blockbuster success that it was uh, for all of us on Saturday mornings. In our youth, my youth being my 20s. (laughs) But uh, in response to the first part about Wolverine, a gentleman named Ernie Bruckner Jr. wrote me and said, uh, I read Tom Brevoort's blog and listened to Rob's podcast. I agree with Rob that Wolverine was Wolverine at the start and that everything that followed was an add-on. I get Brevoort's point that those other stories which followed plus Wolverine uh, fleshed out, fleshed Wolverine out more, but his assumption is flawed. It implies his his, <laughs> his his assumption is flawed. It implies Wolverine as we know him today is complete because of that specific six year run. Brevoort's own logic undercuts his own point. If there are future stories uh, that add more to Wolverine's lore, then Wolverine will never be the full character that we know because the scale is always 
slighting. Brevoort's point should have been thought through more completely and clarified. And to this, that is what I'm saying. You can continue uh, to, to alter and, and, and twist and change, but Wolverine was ready from the jump. Uh, a gentleman named Jesse Liberty said, just reading Giants as X-Men number one, he is a fully formed character right there. Uh, we are learning more about him. Uh, he said, uh, it opens up all of the sorts of bombastic possibilities of the stories that will be written later about him. So again, I just feel like there were giant leaps in not really telling you how completely loaded that original story of Wolverine was. And, and it's, it's, uh, if you haven't listened to the first part of our double-sized episode, please get back, listen to it, have fun with it. And we are going to move on now to the making of the X-Men animated series. A, 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 uh, a proper part two to what we started a week ago. Right before we segue into the X-Men animated series, I just wanted to share. This last Friday and Saturday, after we had a, a lot of rain here in Southern California, my wife and I laugh. We've both grown up here. People now from out of state call us concerned about the, the river event, the, the storm fronts, the, the some, something these crazy names i even saw in good morning america they were like good morning america weekend was like we are so concerned um i've lived here my whole life rains mudslides on cliffs billion dollar palaces uh beautiful at least one i've been in that 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 hang over cliffs are always going to be subject to the dangers of earthquakes and mudslides but that aside uh and we do appreciate your concern about water and, and and rain and rain can't destroy and we had a pesky leak last year that i solved but i still go out and see if anything dripped well i have some books uh i, I have boxes of books now again i have an empty I, i'm an em- empty nester which means we have at least three empty rooms uh I, I i i went in both upstairs downstairs outside and checked on different comic book collections i had i had a I had a, a, a hankering to, to look through my comic books. So I went into my comic book collection and I was just pulling out stuff that I enjoyed as a kid. And you guys, the euphoria, the excitement, the memories, the thrill of seeing those lines. Uh, there are some artists who I believe were, had magical runs for like five year periods. And I was looking at those different artists and those different stories and the facial expressions and the gestures and the power of 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 the the battle scenes and even just the conflicts uh between let's say Captain America and Iron Man all the seeds that were that 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 they kind of borrowed from the stuff that all all the animosity that had been building up between Steve Rogers and Tony Stark that 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 they formed the Civil War crossover in the early 2000s and and, and then of, of course the subsequent film loosely based on that was all in Avengers you know, 168, 169, 170, 171, back when Jim Shooter was writing it, George Perez was penciling it, and Pablo Marcos was inking it. Uh, Steve and Tony really have different ideologies and, uh, and, 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 and in some ways, different moral compasses. And they challenge each other. And just going back and remembering where I was, one of those, again, at the booth at McDonald's at 10:30 on a Saturday in 1977 uh eating my 
sausage McMuffin and my orange juice and my hash brown and just getting all that grease that I needed to start that particular Saturday morning. But I remember it like it was yesterday, biking there, getting that book, going right across. They were on the same, they were on the same, you know, property. You just walked right from the 7-Eleven, about 10, 15 yards from the door of the 7-Eleven, kitty corner, boom, McDonald's. And man, did I love my sausage McMuffin. Uh, ash brown and orange juice combo sugar grease comic books but that feeling of pulling them back out taking them out of their mylar because i've got those particular books double double backed uh in, in sweet mylars uh just it just reminded me the love the passion you know later that day i approached a new page uh you know went right back into it and the segue from telling you just maybe you have that Maybe it's a toy, maybe it's a cartoon, maybe it's a show, but for me, it will always be comic books that that magical connection exists with and for. And the funniest part about this X-Men animated series episode that we're doing, do you know that I've done two covers? There's a new X-Men 97 series obviously coming out and there's new comic books coming out from Marvel and I've already done two covers for those and I have to stay on model. I didn't give Cyclops his yellow trunks. So I got a note, you got to tell your colors to make these yellow. And so I had to get back and we had to make him yell, but it's fun. And this new cartoon looks like a blast. I, I don't, I, I kind of wonder, did Marvel know like how deep the, the love for this show is and, and why we've been so pent up in our, in our uh, you know, frustration as we wait now two years since it was announced at San Diego that the continuation of the X-Men animated series was coming. And I, I, I just don't know, but. But it should be. It should serve as a reminder. Let me tell you something right now. Here's the best sentence I'm going to say in the entire uh, show because it's so true. All that ails Marvel as a publisher, if if anything ails them, all that ails the MCU, uh, which I think we 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 all have read how they they have some ails, some some issues, some problems. All of that is solved through the X Men. The world loves the X Men. Congratulations, you you. Got people to care about the Avengers on a scale that they never did because you didn't have access to the X-Men because Fox did. But now that you do and you've reassumed kind of your your passion for this stuff, you're going to find out all the answers are in the X-Men universe. We love them. And for reasons we're going to actually dive into today because the people that did this book, I am bringing you stories of the making of the X-Men animated series written by Erica and Julia Lewald. Now listen here. This book Many of you have told me, A, you never heard of it, B, you bought it already, and C, that's awesome. That's one of the things I love about this show the most is that we can turn your attention towards stuff and that you can go and you can grab it and you can relive the history. Because, man, I can't read this whole book to you. This book, we would be here, it would be an eight-part episode. But I have, I have taken the highlights uh, for, for, from the first part, which was actually two episodes back. I started the X-Men animated series, then we segued into issue, episode 350 and I led with the Wolverine stuff and, and, and giving the proper Wolverine creators uh, due for all that they did establish in those first appearances. But the X-Men animated series was up against it from the beginning as Marvel Productions tried to get one going in the late 80s and, and it, it, it ended up being a one-shot, a, a one-off, a, a direct-to-video, uh, long short story short, that's, that's where it ended up as a, a Pride of the X-Men. But Margaret Loesch would not give up. She was at Marvel Productions at the time. She became the head of the brand new uh, 
you know, animated division of Fox as they wanted to get, you know, into the into the Saturday morning cartoons and the and the daily strips of of doing cartoons, which were, which which still mattered and resonated and were extremely popular at this point in the nineties. And she went back and she greenlit X Men. She wanted to finish the job they started with Pride of the X Men, but again, hurdles. Marvel executives not believing in the show, copious notes, um, animated uh, uh, animators overseas not delivering work that they felt was good enough to put on the air, so they they delayed the show. You know, five months, and and so we joined the show at the end as it launched, and it was a smash success. Millions and millions of eyeballs, audiences turned up. Audiences, what do you know? Audiences were ready for a show like this. Let me tell you from my own personal experience. Uh, the thing that I love the most about X Men, the animated series, as a twenty-something who had grown up on the entirety of the seventies uh, animated offerings from ABC, uh, CBS, uh, NBC. And that covers Fantastic Four, Tarzan, Lone Ranger, Batman, Robin, the Super Friends, Superman, Spider-Woman, the Solo Thing cartoon, uh, the, the, the Fantastic Four cartoon with, Her- with Herbie, uh, the live-action Shazam and Isis shows. Look, I'd seen them all. I'd, I'd absorbed all of them. And they always, I don't know if you've noticed this, but whenever there was a conflict, whenever, whenever there was a fight, it had to be somebody throwing somebody into a tree or into a wall. Very little fisticuffs because they didn't want to promote bullying. The, the, the stunt direction of John Wick had not yet made it, uh, and, and I'm tongue in cheek, obviously, but but the stuff that you were seeing in a Bruce Lee movie, in 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 a in a Bruce Lee movie that would air that weekend, probably out here on one of the local affiliates or the syndicated channels, because that's where I saw that stuff. All that great martial arts action, you were going to find that they 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 threw you into trees, or Superman directed his heat vision at a dam so that the dam could break, so that the water could come down and and wash the bad guys away. Okay, that's the level of, you had all these great looking characters, but they very, 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 um, very rarely would you see them in a great, like Jack Kirby, John Buscema, big, giant, well-choreographed, you know, powerful back and forth uh, fisticuff battle, okay? X-Men, people punched each other. People shot at each other. People used their powers to zap each other. It was like, wow, it was kind of a next level of engagement, a little more than the standards and practices had allowed before. And I just remember going, hey, this show doesn't feel safe. It feels like they are really trying to enact the comic books that they love so much that they said as they were producing this book, this series, the comic books that they they professed to love as much. And they're doing really good adaptations of them. I'm going to tell you season one, two giant takeaways. Uh, Number one is that in episode seven of season one, Cable arrives. Uh, it's the beginning of the Slave Island uh, storyline, and he would revisit it back in The Cure. They would put a Juggernaut episode in the middle of that, kind of to tease you. But uh, Cable, what the hell? Like, he wasn't even around for two and a half years, and he is on a cartoon show, and he looks great. He's got the shoulder pads, the pouches, the Rob Liefeld, you know, cylinder guns, uh, interacting with Gambit, who asked him, who are you? And he says, the wild man of Borneo. Uh, it, it, it's so much fun. It, again, Slave Island uh, dovetails in into, into, into The Cure. And, and, and you've got Gambit, who's literally just as fresh and new as Cable. So you're seeing kind of the newest faces of the X-Men. And again, in part one of this, we covered how at one point Marvel's like, we don't want the Jim Lee designs. We can't be advertising the Jim Lee brand by showing his style uh, uh, on these characters. And really, that's what it came down to. And, and, and of course, cooler heads eventually prevailed but i gotta be honest i was shocked because like so many characters when you see venom do you not think of todd mcfarland i do 
I think of Todd McFarlane. There are certain characters along the way. When I see Silver Surfer, I think of Jack Kirby. When you see Cable, most of you tell me you think of Rob Liefeld. It's a strong association. Ditto Deadpool the rest. So to have Cable as featured as he was, I I loved it. But I'm going to tell you, and Deadpool was in a cameo. (laughs) And that blink and you miss it cameo actually became merchandise for the show a couple years ago with an incredible uh, statue, uh, a bust exactly how he looked in that brief when he's morphing the characters morphing into different identities he's in boom for one second blinking you miss him it's deadpool but it's the way the way they make animation he's at least a couple of frames i would love to one day obtain some of those frames but they talk also in this book about how so much of the art uh wasn't well cared for wasn't well uh kind of protected and so so many of the cells in the animated work that the, the individual cells the background paintings, the, the figure work, uh, you know, there was a lack of respect for that stuff so that they vanished, they disappeared. When it comes to uh, Cable and Deadpool, I just, I was shocked that they were in there. But Larry Houston, one of the chief uh, creatives involved in bringing this show to life, ha- has a lot of important titles. But Larry Houston, especially in the last 20 years, has made sure to get himself out there. What a lovely, beautiful, sweet man. We were in the green room. I, I was at a separate table. Uh, at LA Comic Con in their green room in between panels and signings and the X-Men animated crew was being called up to go to their panel and I was working furiously and a hand rests on his, on my shoulder and he said uh, I love what you do brother and I said looked up and there's Larry Houston smiling at me he goes you know it's me it's me that snuck that Deadpool cameo in to the X-Men animated adventures and, 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 and it's, it's my love of Cable that got him so prominent in that show. And I'm like, Larry, I never knew this. So that was so great. I stood up, I hugged him. Uh, what, a, what a sweet, kind, uh, generous man. Huge talent. One of the reasons, along with so many other names that you're going to learn about in this book, Larry Houston, huge reason uh, for this show's success. But they're telling me, you know, many years later, that it was his affection for Cable and Deadpool that gave them this showcase. But as the season wound down, a very brief truncated uh original first season of the x-men animated series they started doing all the cool storylines they did a days of future past they did a cable time travel he, cable returned i mean uh th- 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 like i said i was just shocked given the we don't want to prop up our rivals and their contributions i personally was shocked at the heavy amount of space that that cable was given in the first season alone but the the days of future past uh, again putting Bishop in there, again, who I think you identify with Wills, Wills Portacio and Jim Lee immediately. They did, they really ended the season strong. They had some really great uh, adaptations of classic, classic, maybe the most famous X-Men stories of all, and they pulled it off and they were good. And we dug them. And it was like, wait, no, this this show can't be ending. Talk about ending on a high note. And, 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 and in all honesty, you know, the way that they ended that first uh, season was like with some of the all-time best episodes they'd ever done so we were salivating for more eric uh eric and julie lewald the authors of this x-men animated series it, it, it's it's an incredible coffee table book the, the, the two of them talk about what a big deal it was at, at uh, you know adapting days of future past and i thought it was great putting bishop in there and helping him walk through it and making it seem more uh, you know fresh and relevant given that he was a time traveler from from that period and uh 
I just, I'm, I'm, I'm just telling you, I just felt like th- what a strong 13 episode uh, full season. And, and again, my, my, you know, the uh, episode seven, introducing cable, revisiting cable again uh, with, with, with the, uh, with, with the Island story. Uh, I, and was that, was that the Gnotians? Uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of, kind of trying to fill in the blanks, but Slave Island, uh, The Cure, all that stuff, just killer first season, way to go out, very, uh, leave them wanting more, in my opinion, and because the, the, the show had uh, debuted to millions and millions and millions of eyeballs, uh, suddenly, you know, the way cleared, that the path was cleared. This team was going to be able to give you so much of everything that you dug and that you wanted uh, because success, right? Suddenly, you know, they say uh, success has many fathers and failure is an orphan. Well, I think there's a lot of fathers all of a sudden. I think there were many, many parents uh, on, the, on the animated series. They, they uh, Eric and Julia Lewald write that the show was doing so well in its first season in the early summer of 1993, while we were just finishing the writing of season two, before we had actually seen a foot of the animation, a triple order, a triple order, 39 episodes of new shows was sent by Fox. Uh, There was going to be no downtime between seasons, in between seasons two, three, and four. This also meant wonderful job security for many writers and artists, a rarity in our business. He then goes on and talks about how uh, Bob Harris at Marvel Comics and Joey Calamari, their their contacts, uh, the the big executives and and, and the EIC at uh, at Marvel uh, wanted to fl- fly in and brainstorm and have a more hands on approach. He said, even though X Men animated series was still Fox's show in 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 parentheses, Marvel now had a merchandising. Marvel now had a merchandise powering international hit on their hands, and they were ready and eager to become much more involved and again so now marvel is like oh this show we were nervous about one of our executives actually and we covered this in the first part threatened to shut it down well now uh we we would like to partake we would like to partake in 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 some of the success and again you know father uh, success has many fathers okay and they were all starting to rear their heads season two had 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 really been a very mr sinister centric season if you remember lot of the backstories and him trying to get samples and genetic material from mutants uh, came to head as they as they as they went into their their finale it was kind of the overarching theme was mr sinister and i and i love that they speak a lot to the design uh, uh of mr sinister from the very beginning and how they wanted to approach it and how they 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 were originally told no no don't adhere to that aspect we already removed it but it's a, a case of the animators going no we kind of like we kind of like the way Mr. Sinister is looking in this very, very first appearance where he had the fanged teeth, uh, which, which, which Marvel confirmed. Yes, that's how we had it at, the, at first when Mark Silvestri first introduced Mr. Sinister. That's exactly how he looked. But, but we're not doing it that way anymore. Well, they thought he had this great kind of old school Count Dracula um, aura to him. So it says that the creatives on X-Men said, well, technically they did show him with the teeth. That that exists, we can say that that's the version we're basing it on, and they did, and and I love that part of the book, just them going, well, we kind of like this, 
this serves the more menacing version of him that we want to uh, portray. And even after consulting Marvel and Marvel saying, they actually say that they believe Bob Harris didn't really give a good answer for why they changed it. He just said, we don't draw him with those fangs anymore. They opted to go with the fangs in his portrayal on the animated series. For, for those of you who are around when Mr. Sinister first appeared, beautifully illustrated uh, and introduced and designed by Mark Silvestri, his first appearance inked by Dan Green over Mark's pencils. Uh, he had this cool kind of, I would say, a, a cape in tatters. It, it kind of, you know, Hawk, and, Hawk from Hawk and Dove has like some, what I call like prongs that kind of go up and then jet back. Like Mr. Sinister had like a hundred of those. Well, they design they they talk about the 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 problems that that presented them. They said with Mr. Sinister, he had a rooster-tailed cape, which is a great way to put it. A rooster-tailed uh rooster-tailed cape. Uh one that wasn't all one piece like Superman's. It had fringe strips. It was like a ribbed costume, and believe me, if you take that guy and you want to make a simple body turn, you're going to kill those animators. The thing that we kept doing is we went through the boards and edited out him making many turns. The result was that when you saw him, with only a very few exceptions, uh, if he needed a turn, we would just cut away to something else and then cut back to him already in his new pose. I tried not to turn him as often as I could so that the animators could draw him much more easily, and also it lowered the budget. More drawing, more turning, more cameras, more budget. Uh, He said, many times we just try to do Mr. Sinister as a headshot or a head and shoulder shot so that the animators uh, wouldn't have to burn the budget turning Mr. Sinister. So again, they, 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 they loved the, uh, the, 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 the teeth and, uh, that, that they, they, they felt looked in their words, like Bella Lugosi's Dracula. So again, I covered with you how they called up and said, we, we want to keep these. And they're like, we, we would rather you not. And they, and they went for it anyway. Um, so again, Mr. Sinister's appearance, and they, they talk about in later seasons when you look, Fox was making money and they lowered the budgets because the, the, the longer the show goes, the more they trim the budgets, the more good people they lost. And also, uh, they, they talk about making costumes simpler and sequences sim- simpler, especially in regards to the last final season, which none of them expected to do. That was an add-on. They were originally supposed to add on as they talk, kind of getting ahead of myself, but it matters, uh, with, with, with this double order season. Well, they were breaking seasons three and four, which was going to give them no rest from season two. In the middle of that, they were told, we need five more. Sometimes people just want to hit a number. We need five more for whatever reason. They even say they weren't clear. And then later on, they said, we're going to need six more on top of that. So we need 11 total. And that 11 total became that last season, which was done at a much decreased budget. And they speak specifically to the fact that they lessened the details on the costumes and they lessened the movements so that the budgets uh, wouldn't be burned through that they could get more out of what they were doing and that's where they save time all those little details it's the one thing that i loved about the x-men cartoon as well not only just the action and the and, and the fisticuffs and the heightened use of the powers and the impact of those powers it was that the, the stuff was really detailed it was I, I really feel that the show was really well drawn and i've always appreciated it uh for, for that for that reason is is the visuals and yes the fifth Season looks like it had budgetary uh, restrictions on it, which is unfortunate, but it was still a giant hit. Um, again, millions of people were, were watching this show. Uh, th- they speak about it here, right here in the book, detailing kind of some exact statistics that I think are so important to, uh, to appreciate what they were able to accomplish. 
Eric and Julia Lewald's write about producing season two uh, at the opening of the season two chapter and says, producing season two of X-Men, the animated series was a totally different experience. The show was the talk of Hollywood. The show had a ripple effect on the entire Fox network and in turn on all of television. The fledgling Fox Kids Network had started in 1993 in a distant fourth place with perhaps 10% of the nation's viewers far behind the other big three, the half century old networks of ABC, CBS, and NBC. Six weeks into 1993, Fox Kids, based on the explosion of interest from X-Men, the animated series, had streaked to the number one spot in the entirety of Saturday morning ratings, based on how many millions of households were watching, where they would reign for an entire decade. X-Men went to number one. Fox had gone to number one, where they would reign for the next 10 years. There soon were mornings when not just kids were watching, but, and they have a statistic here, half of America's TVs on Saturday morning were tuned in to watch X-Men, the animated series. As might be expected, all the creative second-guessing and all the pushback that the writers and the artists had fought through during the previous season vanished. Problems, they say? What problem? Now they were going to be able to allow, they were allowed to write and draw as they pleased. And of course, with great power comes great responsibility. And we've already covered season two was great. Mr. Sinister, all of those, um, the great overarching kind of theme that culminated with the, the downfall of Sinister at the end. But in the middle, of course, we got some other great episodes. One of them was a very Wolverine centric repo man, which deals with the origins of, of Wolverine and, 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 uh, and his origin in Canada. And they write, they said Wolverine's difficult past in Canada was delved into our Repo Man episode, the first of four Wolverine-centric episodes written uh, for us by his creator, Len Wein. Who better to tell the origin story of our most popular character than the writer who came up with him in the first place? Can we get the slow clap right now? Can we get the slow clap for this book written several years ago that dovetails exactly, just for, for my purposes, of, of, of really putting the spotlight on the Wolverine creators as it belongs for making Wolverine what he is today, for, for getting that pot stirred in the very beginning to Len and, of course, the artist Herb Trimpey. But they, they literally, right here in this book, go out of their way to tell you how much they appreciate him. They wanted him to write those episodes. And just for me, uh, they, they have a great picture. They have a, a really great picture of, uh, of Len standing next to a blow-up of... Uh, they have a, a great picture of Len standing next to a giant blow-up of Hulk 181 in the book here. And uh, so, so to say, who better than to write the origin story of our most popular character than the writer who came up with him in the first place? The story was structured so that those who were there when Wolverine was weaponized, when this, this, uh, his struggle-filled future was forced upon him, are there now, working out the mystery of the, these days as they fight against the shadow government agency that has been lying to them all these years. Logan's old Alpha Flight teammates uh, and a caring couple who took Logan in are featured. Isn't that cool? Isn't that cool that they made sure these creatives, again, these creatives, creatives acknowledge creatives. And there was a bunch of these uh, guys who were the perfect age. Again, I was a little shocked, but Larry Houston, you know, much younger man back then. And given his interest in the X-Men, he stumbled into the Jim Lee, Wolf Portacio, Rob Liefeld era of the X-Men X-Force stuff. And so I was so humbled that he would tell me that he liked these characters so much. And that's why he wanted to put them in. But these guys were dedicated. Like I said, Will Minio had come from comics. Larry Houston came from comics. Rick Hoberg 
uh, came from comics. These guys have a knowledge. They, they, they looked up to some of these guys. They were their uh, superstars as well. And the idea that they could honor them was incredibly, just I'm sure humbling for somebody like Len who was able to you know, write four episodes of Wolverine because they said, Len, there's nobody better than you. Let's do this. And he did this. Again, just a great acknowledgement, creatives acknowledging creatives. Now, you, 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 you may suspect, and, and you would be correct, <laughs> uh, in, 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 in suspecting that time, fugitive, time fugitives, that's the name of the episode, Time Fugitives Part 1 and 2, which uh, see Cable in the year 3999, dis- discovering that the plague that destroyed his world was a result of K- Bishop's visiting uh, in Days of Future Past, set them on a collision course. Cable versus Bishop, I'm there for it. I was all there for it. Two great episodes. Again, uh, con- continued like participation. You're like, oh my gosh, I can't believe these characters. Because guys, have I not established how much I love the cartoons? I love them as much, if not more, than you. So it was so exciting to see those come to life. And uh, of course, Cable would come back in a banger four-parter. Episode 63, 64, 65, 66, uh, Beyond Good and Evil, Part 1, Part 2, Part 3, Part 4. Uh, cable and Apocalypse, it, it details the giant Cable and Apocalypse showdown uh, from 39.99 and drags everybody into its orbit across four incredible, incredible episodes. Look, the great thing uh, is that you can go on your phone, your iPad, your television, click these shows up right now. Disney Plus has them. They're ready to watch. They're ready for you to consume. If you haven't watched them ever, maybe you want to revisit them immediately. Get on it. You'll dig it. You'll love it. It'll be so much fun. And th- th- this show just had so many uh, high points. But again, seasons three and four together, they, they proposed that it was, uh, again, wh- while it was going to provide job security, it was suddenly a ton of work. I mean, you guys, the best thing you want to hear is, hey, w- we're giving you a 39-episode pickup to be split across seasons three and four. But now they had to double up the facilities producing the book, uh, producing the show. Because ACOM couldn't do all the work. They had to hire more artists, more storyboard people. I mean, everybody, they really had to double their efforts and they detail in these chapters what it entailed. They had a mission statement building on the first two seasons. The first seasons, episodes one through 13. This is, now, this is as they prepare for seasons three and four. Uh, that's why it says building on the first two seasons, but he identifies immediately in this memo the first uh, episodes 113, which is the first season. First season introduced the characters, set up the X-Men world. During our second season, 14 to 26, we spent less time on exposition and more on the personal histories of our characters. Origin stories were very popular. In these next 39 episodes, we will be opening up the world of the X-Men a bit, just as they did in the comics. For example, the X-Men will have space-based adventures. We will be meeting new mutants, both good and bad, from the Marvel Universe. If you don't know the characters uh, well as yet, I suggest either getting a set of X-Men creating cards from your local comic shop and or picking up copies of magazines that talk about the X-Men. Also get uh, 30th anniversary celebrations of the X-Men as they are currently celebrating their 30th anniversary. Videotapes of the first season's episodes are newly available in video stores. We recommend you get familiar with them fast. So this is what they're sending out to all of the new people that are going to be jumping on board the show. And which, which I think is just, it's so fun to see how they built this incredible success, and they built on this incredible success, and the fact that it was an incredible sex success in the beginning, given all of the hurdles that were placed in front of them. They, they, they talk about on the art side what, what it was going to take 
to pull this off. And it literally says on the art side, the series had two major animation studios, uh, each born of trying to find either more production capacity for our growing series uh, or cost savings or both. Uh, they, they talk about ACOM and then getting into business with Philippine animation, uh, animation studios, Inc. called, which they called Passy. Uh, ACOM's also a breakdown, but, uh, they said that they went, Oh, you know, Passy, uh, desperately wanted the X-Men's business. They bent over backwards to produce beautiful animation. Here's a funny story in the book that I'm going to share with you here. That is, is, is something that I'm, I'm, I'm surprised isn't encountered more across Saturday morning cartoons. Uh, they, they talk to the difficulty in getting, uh, familiar with working with Philippine, Philip. Philippine Animation Studio Incorporated, Passy. They said, uh, because of the quality of the work they did, they were really excited to have them on board um, backing up the work that ACOM was doing because, of course, ACOM only had so many crews that they could devote to doing all these episodes. So uh, they're trying to kind of learn. Passy is trying to like learn the expectations. And again, the great part about this book is they're going to show you, so much of this book is the art, the 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 they show you detailed cell uh, paintings, the figures, the backgrounds, but also you get the turnarounds, the uh, the, the character designs, the model sheets, uh, the, the so many great storyboards. This 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 is a visual feast. This book, which also happens to have this great backstory, but you're going to see the design that I'm about to tell you about, which is for Lady Deathstrike. Larry Houston was thrilled to be working with Passy. He said. Uh, there was only one problem: Lady Death strikes cleavage. Because this is an early episode, I believe, in issue in episode in in, in season three. Because they were dividing up who which which episodes and which storylines they would be giving to Acom and which which to Passy. And they said it was Lady Death strikes cleavage. Her costume in all of our character models uh, sent to Passy was a vest on top of uncovered skin that went all the way down to her navel. This was not an issue in the static model, especially since word came down from the network to make her flat chested. This is a kids show. They said, this is exactly how Lady Deathstrike's model sheet was drawn. The, enthusi- <laughs> the enthusiastic artist at Passy gave her a much fuller figure and nicely animated movements. A grave issue arrived for this kid's shows, for this kid's show, Conspicuous Breasts. Uh, and then they detail how they had to immediately address and correct that because, uh-oh, we got jiggling boobies on the X-Men animated series. Okay, look. Licensors take take this uh, very seriously. In the past year, on a licensed piece, I had to go down and and uh, decrease parts of anatomy uh, based on the request. And I had already thought I was I was being very restrictive. But again, uh, when when the licensor sees something that they believe may be uh, against the core kind of principle of how they believe the character should look, they're going to rein that in. And so the same case was done with Lady Deathstrike. The cleavage. And the extra size of Lady Deathstrike's breasts were a problem and it had to be addressed and it was. And you can read further about it in the art and making of the animated series X-Men by Eric Lewald and Julie Lewald. I'm just going to keep saying their names because I want you guys to order this book. I, want, I, I get no cut. I don't have some sort of discount rate, whatever. I just want you guys to experience it. It's a handsome addition to whatever books about comics and cartoons that you have. But the adventures were uh, obviously... Uh, just, I think, just an incredible ride for all involved. And, uh, you know, eventually they were contacted 
you know, that, that the, that the, sh- the show was going to be, uh, you know, was going to be seeing an end. They, they thought that they were basically instructed that season four, they could go out with a bang, have some X-Men exit, some new ones prepared to come in that they had worked toward that storyline the entire year. And then they were told we need five more. And then later six more, which meant 11, which meant season five. And they wrapped it up and they went out with a giant bang. Certainly the ratings by then had uh, abated somewhat. And I'm going to tell you, Saban, who is producing this show behind the scenes, part of the the joint venture between Marvel and, and between Fox, you'll know that about a year or two after this series came on, Saban introduced the world to the mighty Morphin Power Rangers, taking existing footage from the Japanese show and then using American actors to do new build-arounds, which is something that was started back when I was a kid with Gotcha Man and with Battle of the Planets. And I believe I've talked about this at great length on our other cartoon-themed episodes or nostalgia episodes or toy episodes, toy comics. Uh, Battle of the Planets was the American version of Gotcha Man. It has a kick-ass theme song, but they did new intros with an R2-D2-looking droid that would introduce every episode to you and inter- and, 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 and cut in throughout the, throughout the episode. And his name was Seven Zark Seven, and he looked exactly like R2-D2, R2-D2 with uh, antennas. So I had already seen, you know, this was not my first ro- rodeo with this type of treatment where the footage on Power Rangers was this from this Japanese show, and then you've got the American actors, at least in the very beginning when they first, first introduced it, and, and it doesn't matter it doesn't matter what happened because it was a giant smash. So now Fox had X-Men and Power Rangers. And in truth, Power Rangers went on to a, a level that I don't even think the X-Men could imagine being above them because I think they, they were at the top. They were at the very top. But Power Rangers uh, then became everything to Fox and so many spinoffs. And, and I mean, Power Rangers like the X-Men is still celebrated to this day. So, so, so that early Fox Kids Network uh, success was just huge in terms of laying the foundation foundation for all that would follow any and they're right it 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 elevated everything fox 20th century fox made a freaking movie and have been making movies about about the power rangers uh in in the years since so it's just absolutely nuts they made the first couple uh i i don't know that the recent ones were fox i know saban continues to carry those rights and 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 set them up but but i remember being at the 20th century fox lot for the premiere uh of 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 power power rangers the movie uh my buddy brian spicer directed it and i i me and my buddies we we took our seats and we were wrongly in the seat that steven spielberg kate caps on their kids were going to sit in so we had to immediately move out that was fun uh and and find our right row but power rangers had its own enormous surge but it really there is no power rangers in my mind without the success that they find with the x-men which was just absolute runaway but uh crews were leaving people were leaving to go do new shoes shoot new shows larry houston for instance was on his way to do the fantastic four show that 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 marvel was prepping everyone was kind of you know uh moving on to their next assignments the x-men was winding down and now all these years later we are getting the follow-up we are getting the amazing follow-up to this with x-men uh 97 the animated series this X-Men animated series from 93, you know, through 97 lives in all of our, you know, hearts and minds. 
as a lifelong X-Men fan, uh, I just couldn't believe how great the show was and how it developed. And, and again, you know, I say this all the time with comics, and I'm going to say it with cartoons. It, it, it's why the end of season one was so exciting because they had just, they, they, they were finding their groove. Days of Future Past, these stories were great. Second season, the, the, the stuff just got better and better. No first comic is my favorite first comic. My first, John Byrne's first issue of X-Men with X-Men 108 is not my favorite John Byrne X-Men issue. Okay. Days of Future Past is like right at the tail end. Um, watching this show find its groove and get as good as it was. And like I said, it was never missed for me. Saturday mornings, I was watching this show along with all of you. I bought the merchandise. And like I said, I have Mondo X-Men animated figures now. Uh, I've been buying them for the last three years as they've been producing them. This show has a huge uh, space in my heart. I, I don't know if I've mentioned how many cable animated cells I have obtained. I think I've got about 20 right now. I've been buying them over the years. When I see a cable animated cell, I immediately scoop it up. I've got close-ups. I've got turned faces. I've got uh, you know some that have his full figure. Uh, I, I I have consumed this show on a, on a, on a on a just visceral level. I mean, I have like I said, the Deadpool statue. He appeared for only a few seconds, but they you know got merch out of that. Those Mondo figures could not highly recommend them enough. The new '97 figures. I went out and I bought my favorites. I didn't want all of them. I don't. I, I normally don't collect lines, but I got the ones that I want. And of course, one of those was Wolverine. And of course, one of those was Bishop. Ah. Uh, Really cool characters, really amazing achievement. I cannot more highly recommend for all the stories I didn't share with you, uh, all of the different challenges that came. Uh, you know, they would put up a listing of what they were going to do over seasons three and four. And like they said, and if you look at this, because he lists every single day, Erica and Julia Lawald list all of the different outlines that they came up with Bob, with Bob Harris and the Marvel uh, executives as they were going to pursue go- doing issues three and four back, uh, excuse me, seasons three and four back to back. And he's like, you'll see not all these came to fruition. Now we got that great five part death, death of, you know, Phoenix, dark, dark Phoenix. I mean, they leaned into that. They gave us a great adventure. Uh, it's stuff like that. Those are infinitely rewatchable for me. They are so fun seeing comic books that I loved adapted with really good, uh, just really fun, really amazing cartoon images and writing. But he says some of these episodes that we put up on the wall, you'll see some of them didn't get made because certain storylines and certain characters and certain situations kind of morph on their own as you continue. And I know there's a character called Morphs, a little play on words there. They continue to, 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 to evolve as you break them, as you develop them. And in, in, in the case of X-Men, the animated series, some stuff had to be moved aside. So it's fun seeing all the different uh, episodes that, that were proposed, some that didn't quite land, some that didn't quite make it. But this is a golden era for for comic books and cartoons because while comic books were exploding i think this also helped having this on on saturday mornings i mean image comics had launched a full year before this came out you know and i've always told you guys i'm so thankful that all of us every single one of us in image comics we didn't have to look back on any other aspect kind of pushing us a, a magazine that could that that, that that could lay claim to to pushing us and being the result of our success we had done it on our own we had we had we had rolled up our, sheet, our, our, our sleeves, we had put in the elbow work, we had uh, you know, really put in the time and, and the effort and the, and, and the sweat and, 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 and to give you those comics and, and to get that kind of crank of excitement going. And part of what we did in the comics was why the X-Men X-Force success absolutely, as they cover in here, laid the foundation for them to make a more uh, successful sell and Marvel to say, these are, our, these are moving not just sales for us, but stocks. because. 
Ron Perlman when he bought the company, and it's it's the reason that the Spider-Man success and then the X-Force success and the X-Men success, the reason that that success was so great was it moved a lot of stock for Marvel Comics. And then you got this incredible animated series, which, as 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 they said, Marvel now had a giant merchandising machine that they were going to ride, and they did. And we all had the best time writing it. Get this book. It's fantastic. Couldn't come with a bigger, higher uh, recommendation. It is 100% uh, published in conjunction with Marvel Comics. Again, Eric and Julia Lewald wrote it, full of great, amazing art stories. Back, back, uh, you know, backroom stories, intel, the critical decisions, all that stuff. Check it out. Dig it as much as I did. I hope you will. This is, is again, part of the celebration of 350-ish episodes. This will be technically marked as 351, but you know that we broke this bad boy into two. And we, uh, we tried to drag out. I'm, 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 I'm trying to drag out this celebration. You know it. I know it. Everybody knows it. But, hey. Thank you for joining me in this retrospective. And I hope, given that the new X-Men 97 series is coming, that we can all really kind of uh, ride this out, maybe circle back and do some more episodes on those upcoming issues, uh, upcoming episodes. I have that problem. I call episodes issues. I call issues episodes. So hats off, salute to everybody, all the superstars, all the legends, all the animators, all the people that helped bring us this incredible uh, series and this book. Get it. You will not regret it. 350 episodes is uh, is a lot to bank. But again, I do it because I love comics and I love talking comics with all of you. And you are the reason that this comic is far and away the number one comic book podcast in all of the podcast sphere. Spotify, Apple, all of it. Um, you, you have just carried us. Once again, this was pointed out to me at San Diego Comic-Con. I was like, really? We are? And whoa, holy moly. Thank you. Thank you for spreading the word of mouth or um, finding something of interest in these shows. And uh, I just I just hope that you continue to take this uh, journey along with me. I probably now have more topics than I can possibly cover. I keep coming up with, uh, with, 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 with new, new, new <laughs> I keep coming up with, uh, with, new, with new subjects to, to, to uh, dissect. And, and we've gotten, you know, some of you have, have asked me about uh, the Rob Topsies. I did, I think, three or four of them last year. It's where I take a run of comics and I do a, a greater deep dive into the episode uh, th- th- that era, maybe maybe a year's worth of comics, and and more are on the way. They just take longer to produce because there's so many different breaks and little actual sound effects and just little just a little more editing that has to go with those. But but more of those are on the way. I hear you. And one of the most important things that I can do uh, for you and uh, is is to read your reviews back at the at the end of each and every episode or at the end of you know the close of the the the, the opening topic uh as, as i'm about to do here now look let me tell you something this show is made for love uh from love for love with love for you yes i've been offered advertising i don't want to read ads i don't i don't like when my my pods break up and people read the ad for uh, a men's uh shaving uh a razor or or or, or a food um i i just this isn't this isn't going to be behind a Patreon wall. It's it's going to be for free, offered for free, no support. I just love doing it. I love giving it to you and it is my gift and and you give me the gift of receiving it. So thank you uh just so very ridiculously much. Uh This is uh 
checking out, checking out which, which one of these reviews I am going to share with you today. Cause I had literally as I, uh, as I was, as I was reading this, it, 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 uh, a new one popped up. So here, this is called Robbo as in, Hey, Robbo to <laughs> R O B B O this review. You guys, when you leave reviews, like you did, this one here is on the Apple platform. Um, it helps our show so very much. It helps elevate the, uh, kind of profile of the show and the success of the show. And I just, I know what it takes to, uh, to type these out and to share these and the time that it takes. And I just want to tell you that I appreciate you so very much. And I read them as I'm about to do with this one here from Maddie DY. Okay. Who I can already tell at the end, he's writing us from Pacific beach. Uh, it says Robbo R O R O B B O gives us five stars. Hey, Mr. Liefeld, I am delighted to have discovered your excellent podcast, your knowledge and passion of one of my three great loves on this godforsaken mud ball called earth. And then he puts in parentheses comics along with hard rock music and pro wrestling quickly made your podcast a weekly staple for me. Now, full disclosure, I stopped reading comics in 1991 after feeling a bit taken advantage of by Marvel comics. Uh, But listening to your podcast opened up many doors that I had passed by. I had never even heard of American flag, for instance, until your show. Anyhow, Five big stars for you, my friend. Please keep it going. Maddie D from Pacific Beach. Thank you for the five stars. Thank you for the uh, very generous review. I appreciate you so much, uh, Maddie. And, and again, like I said, the, the, the fact that you went out of your way to share this with me, uh, just, just I, I have nothing but gratitude uh, for, 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 the, uh, for the generosity that you show this show in, in sharing these reviews. I'm going to add another one. This is from Mike Moran. This is just left the other day. Extreme insightful entertainment. Five stars Mike gives us. Very brief. That's why I'm reading it. Rob brings the receipts and is extremely insightful. Always entertaining. Always something new to learn from a comic book veteran like Rob. Thank you so much, Mike Moran, 1976. Thank you, Maddie. Thank you, Mike. Thanks for these reviews. You keep writing them. I'll keep reading them. Thank you for your listens. Thank you for uh, promoting the show to your friends, for recommending it. Uh, I I just cannot literally thank you enough. And again, uh, this show, it is what it is. It's ad-free. It's given free. It's my gift to you, thanking you uh, just for hanging out with me and for giving me the incredible career that you have supplied me with. And of course, you know, my love for comics. I just, like I said, it's just a comic book. A great comic book just moves me so incredibly deeply when i'm not doing this show i'm all over social media here's a couple places that you can find me i am on the platform formerly known as twitter now called x i am at robert liefeld the whole name just r-o-b-e-r-t-l-i-e-f-e-l-d i have a blue check next to my name it signifies it verifies that you are really talking to me i am the real deal uh that is verifiable i love reading your comments your dms your replies i love all the different uh back and forth that we have it is so fun getting to know many of you and your handles uh and 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 just sharing a love and a passion of comic books together and i am at robert liefeld on the platform formerly known as twitter x uh so so catch me over there at robert liefeld i look forward to hearing and hanging out with you over on instagram which might be my favorite of all the social media platforms i am just at rob liefeld r-o-b-l-i-e-f-e-l-d another blue check signifying and verifying that it is really me and not some phony I just share this, the, the, 
life as it happens in photos, what I'm drawing, what I'm eating, the people I'm hanging with, the movies, the experiences that I'm having. And I just enjoy, again, all the uh, interaction that we're able to have through your replies, your mentions, your DMs. I just appreciate all the ways that we hang out together over on Instagram. Thank you so much for being a part of my Instagram existence. And please follow me at Robert Liefeld with a blue check. I will look to, uh, to, to talk to you and see you over there really soon. On Facebook, we have a group. It's a group, not a page. It's a group. Find it by looking at Rob Liefeld, Marvel Extreme and Beyond. It's called Rob Liefeld, Marvel Extreme and Beyond. It's our Facebook group. Please click on by. We are, I'm, I'm giving you early glimpses of our upcoming action figure line. I'm giving you uh, early looks at art. I do that also on Instagram and Twitter, all of my different social media platforms. I try and give you guys sneak peeks, try and make them unique to each platform. Over on Facebook, we're just having the best time. So many of the conversations that we start here continue over there in a greater long-form manner. Just a great group of people over there. Everyone is so um, kind and friendly, and we, do, we have no patience or uh, arguments or, or, or negativity. Uh, we keep the vibes positive and healthy. So if you want to talk comics with a great, pe- great bunch of people and participate in our killer art contests that are run by our, my, my co-administrator, my moderator, fellow moderator, Terry Sala, S-A-L-A. He may be one of the guys along with me who clicks you on through when you submit. So uh, we're the two guys over there. Terry runs a killer art contest. We vote on it, which is um, how everyone kind of weighs in and, and, you, and you produce a winner on that. It's, it's done by, by vote and polling. But uh, great group, great vibes. Come hang out with us. We would love to have you over at Rob Liefeld, Marvel Extreme and Beyond over on Facebook. Uh, generally, twice a week uh, in the Wednesday, Friday, Saturday range, I am on an app called Whatnot. Whatnot is the best number one collectible app that there exists. Uh, you want trading cards, sports cards, sports kicks, jerseys, gear. Um, they even sell, sell jewelry. Uh, but, but I am in the comic book, collectibles, toys, Funko Pop section. That's where I always identify and hashtag myself. I go live. I have exclusive comic books. My new comic book, 28 full color pages, brand new, written and drawn by myself. Uh, Rob Liefeld, The Last Blood. It comes in two editions. We did a manga edition. You'll have to see it to understand. Uh, is, is dropping. I have a new edition dropping soon. The second issue is coming in March. Excited to keep sharing this with you. Only available through my live streams along, my live streams, along with the exclusive uh, variants. Uh, I've done a New Mutants variant, uh, a Spider-Man variant, a Deadpool variant, uh, a Captain America variant. All of these are exclusive only through. I have an upcoming X-Men 97 variant. You're only going to find those over on Whatnot. They are just a great place. Uh, they, they have a great platform over there. We have a great time hanging out. If you want signed, custom, remarks, comics, sketches, all of the above, follow me, Rob Liefeld. Download the Whatnot app. Whatnot. Download it. Find Rob Liefeld and follow me so that you'll be alerted to my newest shows. We schedule the shows. The show will give you an alert of when we're about to go live. It's me looking right into the camera, talking directly to you, having a really fun time talking comics, collectibles, everything, rambling, generally rambling. It's the rambling version of Rob observations. Cause like I said, when I do Rob observations, I'm, it's early. I'm, I'm fresh. I'm, I'm, I'm more fun in the mornings at night. A little grumpy. You're gonna get grumpy, Rob. I'm, 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 I'm almost 57. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm a little grumpy. I got adult kids. Okay. I've been married 30 years. I bring my own baggage. Uh, after all this now, I'm going to tell you, follow at your own, uh, you know, you've been given fair warning. Follow at your own risk, okay? What not? I'll look for you. Follow me. Catch me on one of my live streams. Love to share all the great stuff that we've got coming out. I have a special second round, 
second round of signing at CGC, the number one grading company. Uh, right now, if you go to CGC and you look at my name, there will be a menu that you can uh, order. Uh, I think the remarks are gone. I think the blood splattered chisels are gone, but we have chisels and regular signatures. That's what you want. Uh, last time we had such a good time. I know a lot of people were like, well, I want to see how this first one worked out. Well, it worked out great. So many people shared with me thousands because we signed thousands of comics over those several days there, three days in Florida. You guys showed me the grades that you got the, uh, on, your, on your chisel books, on your signatures. Uh, we do the very best. We follow your instructions. We had so many happy campers the first time out. Deadpool 3 is coming. You're going to want to get what, it, what is it that you want signed. Maybe it's Avengers number one, the best-selling Avengers comic of all space and time that I did along with Jim Valentino. Maybe you want to submit that. Maybe you want to do one of my Captain Americas. Maybe it's X-Force, New Mutants. Maybe it's a Deadpool comic. Whatever it is, get on it. Get, get on and get in early because so many of the other categories are slipping away and not, not available, no longer available. But I am excited to be doing this this spring. We're going to try and get these out to you. Have this before the movie uh, you know, is released in late July so that you can have some of your books back in hand to participate in that excitement. So please go to the CGC web- website, look up the uh, private in-house signing with Rob Liefeld and check the items and get your stuff in as fast as you possibly can. It is at the end of each and every episode that I just want to wish you the very, very best, wish you all the best and hope that your mental, physical, spiritual, and emotional state is exactly where they need to be. I hope that you are um, happy, that you are overcoming, that you are experiencing great joy. And if you're in the middle of the struggle, know that we're there with you. We are right there with you. We all have burdens. We all have stuff that we're carrying through each and every day. Uh, you know, uh, whether it's health issues, whether it's job issues, financial issues, whatever, we feel you. And I just want to let you know that I'm walking alongside of you. I have uh, been fortunate in my career, but I have experienced all of the heartbreak of raising kids, of relationships, of, of, of disappointments in the workplace, whatever. I've been there. I've felt it. What I tell you each and every time is get off the grind. Take that day. Get away. Get off the treadmill that is just grinding you. Get away. Have a bowl of ice cream. Have an ice cream sundae. Have hot cocoa, okay? Ha- have a great pizza, a great burrito. Uh, ha- have, a, ha- have your favorite Chinese takeout like we did last week and spend time with friends and family. Laugh. Watch a movie. Watch a streaming show. Read a great comic book. That is my wish for you. The distraction, uh, in, in, in ingesting something that you love, some creative endeavor. What do we do during the pandemic? We all listen to more music. We read more books. We art fell our lives, filled, filled our lives, not felt our lives. <laughs> art filled our lives. Wow. The difference there between fell and fell art filled our lives and it inspired us. And that's what I'm hoping for you. So let me fist bump right through this blue Yeti microphone. Tell you that I wish you all the very best. Um, I, I'm rooting for you. I am hoping that you are in the best shape and form that you can possibly be at. Thank you once again, always for listening to this show. Do not leave me here. Do not strain me. You got to come back and find me. I will be here. And you know what? You know what? Because you say it to me. We will absolutely. Okay. That's number one. Most definitely. That's number two. And inevitably, the most important one. Talk again real soon. Mm-hmm.